I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the White Witch Podcast with me, Carly. I hope you are all well, witches. I'm sorry to say I haven't got a book review for you this week. I'm afraid I haven't yet found a book that I'm happy to recommend. It's been a strange week. Let me start this off by saying I strangely have a lot to owe Zach Bagans. What a weird way to start the podcast in relation to a discovery relating to my family surname, Zach Bagans of all people. So my middle name is Rose, yet my surname is Wooten. And whilst watching an episode of Ghost Adventures where they visited the ancient Ram Inn, this is somewhere I'm desperate to get to. I really feel the urge to organise a huge mass ghost hunt of us witches to go and experience this place there was a chap that came onto the show and he was talking about my surname such a random moment because the ancient ram inn is based in an area that has wooten in the name i discovered my surname is medieval and means the place in the clearing in the woods, which makes me feel hedge witchy as fuck. It is apparently from the oldie English pre-7th century words woodoo, wood, and tun, meaning enclosure or settlement, or it might be referenced to residence at a farm by a woods. And the name also appears in the Doomsday Book in 1086, where it was recorded as Otten. So firstly, I urge you to have a look into what your surname means and its origins. I truly found this fascinating. I'm surprised that it took me to get to my big old age to look into it. I'm not surprised to learn that I come from peasantry at all. But it also got me thinking a lot about my next move. So I've sold my flat for the third time, lol, in the flat sale sagas that nobody asked for. This is to a second lot of people. The last two times I sold it to the same people who just got messed about repeatedly. I won't get too excited until I'm in the removal van waving at everybody, but the move is definitely influencing my form of the craft. And you may have noticed On the podcast, I've delved into all manner of forest-related witchery and much relating to the trees and hedgerows. This is because I'm fully intent on moving to the countryside. It's got me looking at real witchy cottages in the back arse of nowhere and 
this really is my intention to tie more nature into my life and the podcast. At the moment, I live up the road from the sea. This is a lifestyle that I wanted for years. But the last year, I felt a real connection to the fields and the forest. And I just wonder, perhaps with this discovery, that this is taking me back to how my ancestors lived. The irony is I also found out that my surname is said to originate from the Ken area, which is where I am now. And this really is where my dad's side of the family have only ever really lived except for East London. So we've never got much further than the Watford Gap. I do want to bring more elements of country life onto the podcast if and when I finally do get there. I want to have a go at things like moon gardening, foraging, but also learning more about fae related to a completely different terrain to my current one. I'm a complete beginner in some of these areas, so I hope I can cover some witchy related aspects of this on the podcast as it might be something that you are interested in too. I also want to add that although I'm moving to the countryside, I will be far from being Lady Muck of the Manor. I'm probably going to be in a tiny hovel with a garden and anything that I do along the gardening lines and so on, I still want to make it relevant if you are growing things on a windowsill because I've been there, we've all been there at some point. I will by no means be rambling around in acres of my own land. So if you're new to the show, we very rarely talk about personal things like this, or it doesn't happen very often. We're usually straight into the topic. So please bear with me. We will get there soon. Firstly, I want to be really transparent about something. I've been really nervous about saying this and wondering whether or not I should. As you all know, I'm very much an advocate for shadow work. I've talked a lot about the dark night of the soul, addiction, and in more recent podcasts, we haven't really gone there. And that's because I've actually been really happy. And when we did look at a lot of those areas, I was in a very different place in life. I want to be really honest and say that I have relapsed in regards to drinking. And I felt like a fraud if I didn't say something because I've always talked about the highs and the lows especially in regards to shadow work and recovery I wasn't drinking this time around to deal with stuff from the past because I feel like the shadow work that I've done a lot of those things don't come up for me anymore I feel like I've really worked through them a lot of this was triggered by major anxiety I didn't do very well at self-soothing myself when I was getting like knockbacks in regards to the move and a couple of other things in life. And I did hit the ball, not in a major way, like how I used to. I fell off the wagon a few times and would reset, but I just wasn't getting there on my own. So I've got back to AA. I'm really doing the work and I'm really present again, but it has meant that I haven't shown up as much as I would have liked to recently. I have struggled with that. I felt like a fraud if I didn't say anything because a lot of you have written to me about your own addiction and shadow work that you've done. And I felt like I can't be out here 
looking like everything's all hunky-dory because it's not been the case behind the scenes. I'm not depressed. I'm not unhappy. I just didn't do very well at the self-soothing and some of the knockbacks. But yeah, I'm getting on with the work. And I thought I would come on and say that because if you are in that boat with addiction, anything of a similar nature, as I've had to be reminded it's not a linear process. And sometimes we do take 10 steps back to propel forward. And I felt it would be unfair for me not to be honest about that. So that's what I thought I would share today. But let's get on with the exciting stuff. Okay, coming back to today's topic, I feel like it's all me talking about me today. Sorry for that, witches. A lot of my life growing up was spent in Cornwall, which of course involved visiting Tintagel and hearing the many myths of King Arthur and Merlin. However, little was ever mentioned in relation to Morgan Le Fay. Recently on Patreon, we looked at Merlin and I felt compelled to take a look at Morgan. Perhaps out of my curiosity for the Isle of Avalon and her fairy connections. So let's take a venture together to the misty Isles of Avalon to meet the mysterious deity Morgan Le Fay, powerful fairy queen and sea priestess. different names from Morgan, Morgare, Morgana, Morgant, Morgane and Morg. She is depicted in English, French, German, Italian and apparently even Austrian versions of the legends of King Arthur, the Knights of the Round Table and Merlin. Morgan is said to have been born of the sea and lives somewhere over or under it. Moor, meaning sea in Welsh. Mermaids are called Morgens in some Celtic regions. Le Fay is French and means fairy. Ultimately, her name means fairy born from the sea. A goddess of all the elements, but particularly of the water. She is said to reside upon the Isle of Avalon, also named the Isle of Apples, an ancient otherworld that is particularly remnants of the Celtic otherworld that spilled over into medieval tales. She guards the springs of Avalon, is keeper of the grail chalice here, and like many fairy women within Celtic mythology, she is deeply associated with water, an element often considered as feminine. It's strong, soft, changeable, flowing, salty like blood, nurturing, womb-like and healing. Sometimes Morgan Le Fay is associated with the water fay, so the mermaid. There is a mermaid fairy of France called Marie Morgana. 
The Isle is ruled by nine sisters. Morgan Le Fay is seen here in the archetype of High Priestess, chief of all the nine sisters. Nine is said to be her lucky number. These women are said to be prophetesses and healers. Her role is as the gatekeeper of spiritual knowledge, gatekeeper of the portals between the realms and the guardian of women's mysteries. Little is known of her sisters, yet it is said that Morgan is the most beautiful of them all. She is often depicted with long hair, wearing long robes or medieval garb. Two of her older sisters are said to be Elaine and Morgause. Morgause is said to be Sir Gawain, the Green Knight's mother. If you've ever seen the Green Knight film that I always bang on about, she is a brilliant witchy character in this film. Some tales see her kingdom within the British Isles. In others, it is underwater, close to Brittany. The Isle of Avalon is said to be shrouded in mist, floating somewhere in a magical lake. Some legends see her manifesting as a form of mirage. Theta Morgana is a mirage common off the shores of Sicily, which derives from her name. This mirage is visible as a narrow band right above the horizon where ships at sea can look as though they are floating. Morgan is considered the wise woman of Avalon, queen of the undying isle and oracle of the Isle of Apples. Here is where she is said to, dressed in a long black hood, bring the dying King Arthur here to attempt to heal him following his injuries gained in the Battle of Camelon. In this form, she is seen as not being of this world or the other. Ultimately, she is a death queen or psychopomp. Even her name links to the words morgue and mortuary and the Isle of Avalon to the Isle of the Dead. Let's look at her legend before we look at how you might wish to work with her. There are many contradictions within her law, as we are used to with so many deities, but I am going to try to simplify things as best as I've been able to do for myself. For when I go down a rabbit hole, I really like to try to unravel these deities as best I can. Firstly, not everyone sees Morgan Le Fay as a goddess. Some see her as an enchantress, sorceress, wise woman, witch, seductress, fairy, fairy queen, sea priestess, prophetess, shapeshifter, priestess of Avalon, otherworld queen, mermaid, and of course, the lady of the lake. Her first description is from 12th century Wales by Geoffrey of Monmouths in his book Vita Melini, The Life of Merlin, a medieval version of King Arthur's legend. Her origins go much further back than the medieval period, likely originating from a powerful water spirit or goddess. Geoffrey of Monmouth describes Morgan as having the ability to shapeshift and fly. His version of the legend sees Morgan Le Fay in a positive light 
an ally to King Arthur, where she takes him to the Isle of Avalon to heal his fatal wound and keeping him on the Isle until his return to England has come. Tales Ivor depicts Morgan Le Fay as Arthur's half-sister, sometimes his lover, yet Geoffrey of Monmouth and a late 19th century version of the tale, Higginson's Tales of the Enchanted Islands of the Atlantic, see her as his sister. He was rowed away by weeping queens and one of them was his sister, Morgan Le Fay. That's a fragment from the book. She's also said to know the virtues of all the herbs in the meadow, her herbal knowledge assisting her as a healer to treat Arthur's wounds. In medieval stories, she is one of the most popular, intriguing women connected to the Camelot court. Later medieval texts following Geoffrey of Monmouth's begin to see her change from good woman who served the people to an evil woman usually seen leading the heroes of the story to danger or as a seductress. The villain of the tale, Arthur's antagonist is said to hold all the evil in the world, including malefic witchcraft, incest, greed and wrath. This was engineered by Cistercian monks of the 13th century who composed the prose Lancelot, a legend told from Sir Lancelot, Knight of the Round Table's perspective. She moves from heroine to enemy and it has themes of male versus female, good versus evil, Christianity versus paganism. That old chestnut, we've seen this before. Demonised for her strong, sovereign, independent nature, a woman who possesses magical healing abilities, yet a contradiction is often seen within these tales, because despite her being said to plot King Arthur's downfall, she is still seen promising she can heal him and taking him to Avalon for this reason. Much of this change in narrative is because the late medieval period saw magic as associated with witchcraft and the devil. However, notice Merlin comes out unscathed. The monks let that slide. Despite being said to be the son of a demon, Merlin is shown as using his magic for the good and protection of the king and Camelot. Morgan Le Fay, however, is condemned as a witch who seeks magic and political power. The later versions see Morgan as the daughter of Lady Egraine and her first husband, Gaulois. Uh, my search history is purely, how do you pronounce? So Gaulois was the Duke of Cornwall. King Arthur is her half-brother by her mother, in Thomas Mallory's version of the legend from the 1400s, she is unhappily married to King Urien. So they make her sexually aggressive. She has many lovers, including Merlin. So with Merlin, after a time in this version, he teaches her the dark arts of which she is said to be an excellent student and she becomes a powerful witch. Other stories say she was sent to a convent to become a nun, when really she was studying the arts of magic. 
And she was also said to be a brilliant astronomer. Astronomer. <laughs> oh, why do I do this job? I love doing this job. I just wish I was better at pronouncing things. Anyway, she is also an indirect cause of Arthur's death in the retellings of this period. Some stories around this time see her with a deep, unrequited love for Lancelot. Others as sexually evil. That sounds interesting. I'd like to have a go at that. She was said to use all her knowledge, enchantments and drugs to try to have him to herself. He, however, is not interested despite her beauty. She does end up capturing him under her spell keeping him imprisoned until he gets ill and nearly dies, at which point she releases him. It sounds like a female version of that program, you. This was a time when women were preferred to be quiet and virgin-like. So Morgan Le Fay, powerful and knowledgeable, is malefic, jealous, competitive and disruptive. Thus, by no means how she started out. But this links to the reversal of the goddess traditions at this time, when the patriarchy changed the narrative of much of the tales of powerful women. I always feel guilty when I talk about this aspect of the craft, because I know we have some wonderful male listeners, and I just want you to know I see you. And as I always say, it was by no means all men that were leading this. I just sincerely think it was the insecure ones, or those scared of strong women. <laughs> Final versions of her legend are of her as a witch, using her spells to reach her own goals, or of being able to shapeshift into a crow, horse, or any animal that she chooses, usually animals black in colour, the shape-shifting element to her is ancient and is mentioned by Geoffrey of Monmouth. Another medieval text said, and I love this, Morgan Le Fay would shape-shift into a bird and travel to all the universities across Europe to learn everything she wanted to. What a G, honestly. It is unknown if she is a woman who did truly exist. However, she likely originates from powerful early goddesses. She may be partially derived from the Welsh goddess Modrum. Most typical association of Morgan Le Fay is with the Morrigan. Their names have some similarities. Both are said to shapeshift into black crows. There's the death element, the fairy aspect. But as someone that works through the Morrigan, I can't see or feel it. It doesn't feel the same to me at all. But that is just me. She may feel completely different to you. And for me, the Morrigan is distinctly Irish. However, I always feel the Cornish link with Morgan Le Fay. So yes, it's entirely how she feels to you. In the contemporary book, Mists of 
Avalon, Marion Zimmer Bradley portrays Morgan Le Fay as a defender of the old pagan religion of Britain against the encroachment of Christianity. Although she attempts to overthrow Arthur, it is primarily to protect this way of life. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You may feel the call to work with her if you are drawn to the Arthurian legends. You might wish to read up on them to connect with her. There are many out there that you can refer to. And of course, they change drastically across the course of time. Perhaps you are drawn to her as a goddess of the sea or if you work on fairy magic. For your altar, you may wish to have lake water or have items found that are of the shore. So perhaps shells, sea glass, driftwood, sand. You might wish to work with seawater and sea spirits to create change in your life. She was known for using her spells to go for what she wanted in life. So a perfect deity for manifestation energy. Perhaps cleanse and purify yourself and any magic tools that you work with by the sea or by a lake, permitting that they won't be damaged by water or salt from the sea. You might want to work with or honour her with black feathers linked to her shape-shifting ability as the crow, but perhaps also shiny items that the crow would like. So silver coins, jewellery, perhaps a mirror. You might want to have herbs on your altar or work with them as she was well known for her knowledge of them. She is said to link to all plants, those of healing, but also poisonous ones. Trees she is linked to are the apple tree, for Isle of Avalon is also known as the Isle of Apples. Also the yew, black fawn, and ultimately any tree that links to magic and death. You might wish to study herbs to connect with her, perhaps create a grimoire for this and the work that you do with her. You could work on healing salves, ointments, creams and teas or cream teas. Cream teas are always good. As a goddess, she can be good. To, I had a cream tea today. It was lovely. It was really good. As a goddess, she can be good to work with for connecting with your divine feminine energy, but in a very different form to say Aphrodite, 
Freya or Venus, she can challenge you to hold your own as a woman. And I have to directly quote from this website called priestesstraining.com. She couldn't have said it better. In all the old stories and legends of Morgan Le Fay, she is shown to be a power-hungry woman, manipulating the knights of the round table any way she can to ensure her strength and position is protected, casting spells on them to get what she wants, seducing Merlin in return for magic lessons, and taking men prisoner until they give her what she wants. What a bitch. I love it. In a time when women were not allowed any power, when women were meant to be sweet and obedient and pious and not talk too loud or ask for anything, Morgana asked for everything and refused to be quiet. The only way to be an independent woman in the old stories was to be a baddie. I mean, I get it. It's a bit weird to call her a feminist and then tell you what a bitch she was but she was unafraid of being seen as a bitch in order to take what was rightfully hers, sexual freedom, independence, a life she chose rather than a life chosen for her. That's a big deal circa 1200 AD. And women like Morgan would have had the patriarchy quaking in their boots. I love that. I will link that in the show notes. That's a really good website to refer to. I'm also going to quote this from her website because, again, I couldn't write it any better. If Morgana can be a total jealous witch, if she can bend her mind on nothing but revenge, if she can be such a terrible person in the stories but still be a powerful transcendent queen of spiritual initiation and mystery, maybe, just maybe, we can look at our own terrible, jealous, vengeful secrets and feelings and actions and begin to accept and love them as a part of our spiritual journey too. How can a goddess who is nothing but light be any help for shadow working, How can she help us process, come to terms with and love the darker parts of who we are if she has no darkness herself? Morgan's nasty past, her dirty mythology means we are in safe hands for when she guides us into deep shadow work and forces us to confront what we do not like about ourselves, she can hold our hand and say, me too, and show us that we are not evil for being imperfect. Yes. Say it louder for the witches at the back. As a goddess, she asks you for authenticity, for you to find the courage to speak your truth and separate truth from illusion. Her main words are said to be magic, mystery and transformation. She will help transform you, but she won't have any qualms over how she does it. She will expect you to work through what is necessary. So she may drag you to the underworld to learn what is needed. Lastly, this is all about Morgan Le Fay and from a website called Glastonbury Goddess Conference 2023. I'll link it in the show notes. I encourage you to step into the centre of your own will in life. 
navigate from a place of being the captain of your ship, practice your own healing modalities, create enchanting environments to live, pray and work in, study to be a death doula and bring the sacred to mortality and remind those around you of immortality. Reignite healthy magic into your life, partnership and family. Increase your libido by exploring eco-sensuality with yourself or your lover. Learn to shapeshift into the person you've always dreamed of becoming. Reach into the back of your raven's throat and make your soul sound. Morgan teaches us how to protect, heal and manifest what we need for a truly joyful life. She leads us into the inner mysteries and magic of our priestess lineage. May you receive her, remember her and embody her aspects that resonate most for you. I think Morgan Le Fay is one of the most fascinating but mysterious deities that I've ever looked into and one that you feel like you get close to what she's all about but then you realise that she isn't like that at all. That is how I felt in the whole process of doing some deep research in regards to her I just feel like I'm so close to grasping her essence and then I'm a million miles away. I feel like she is neither of one thing nor the other. I feel like she isn't to me personally and you will feel differently. I feel like she isn't a sea goddess and then I feel like she isn't a fairy goddess and then I feel like she isn't like the Morrigan and then I feel like she isn't like Modron. I feel she is such a mysterious but powerful entity and there are so many themes to her that I absolutely love but I definitely think she is a strong, powerful, sovereign goddess. I absolutely love the psychopomp death goddess themes but I feel like she is a goddess that will feel differently to all of us and I feel like she is a goddess that you have to see what you see in her. You also have to see what you feel would honor her. So I've given you some different ways that you might want to work with her. But again, you might want to throw all of those out the window and perhaps sit and journey to meet her and see what she tells you directly. Because again, even though I've outlined all of that, I still cannot grasp exactly what I think she would ask of you. I am going to link in the show notes a podcast episode for The Witch and Goddess. She works with Morgan Le Fay, so she will definitely be able to give you some good insight into how she does that. She's got a couple of episodes in relation to this deity. That is all I have for you today, witches. Thank you so much for joining me. I know it's been a bit of a different episode today. Before I go, I just want to remind you this Thursday, 20th of April at 7.30pm, British summertime, we have our Night of the Fae. This is over on Patreon and we are going to be gathering to talk all about 
fairy sightings that some of our members have had. We're also going to be talking fairy witchcraft, everything fae related. I'm so excited for this because obviously the fae is one of my favorite topics. It's just £6 to sign up to Patreon. You can cancel at any time. You get a ton of witchy content in addition to attending the event we have on Thursday. I would love to see you there. I also just want to say my new book, The Hedge Witch's Broomstick, is also out and over on Etsy. I'll put a link in the show notes to that as well if you'd like to have a little gander, see what you think. I'm sending you so much witchy love. I will catch up with you all soon. Have a great week, witches. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.